630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Welcome to the weekend. Mine begins in my spare bedroom. Yes, that's where I'm doing the show from. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, this portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7004-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. After the 730 news, Matt Devlin on the show play-by-play voice for the Raptors on Sportsnet you heard him calling the Raptors championship run last spring you've heard him calling Raptors games for about the last decade we'll catch up with Matt it'll be great to talk to him we're going to kick off the show tonight with a guy who was briefly sort of an Edmonton Oiler I'll talk to him about that. He won the Stanley Cup a couple of times, 643 regular season games in the NHL and uh, from Southern Alberta originally. Please welcome Chris Versteeg to Inside Sports. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? How are you guys? I'm doing very well. It's it's nice to have you on the program. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure you won't remember me, but I got to talk to you briefly a couple of times when uh, when you were in training camp with the Oilers a few years ago. Before we get into that, uh, just let everybody know how, how you and your family are doing. Of course, the, the question, how are you, takes on added significance these days. I hope everybody's safe and healthy in your life. Yeah, of course. No, everyone's good here. Uh, we got... Uh, I got three children, and we got a lot of uh, people to worry about, as of as of, as everybody, I guess. So, um, but everyone's good, and we're we're just trying to get by and make sure we're doing the right things to help everybody out. Now, are you being have to be a bit of a, a homeschool teacher here for your kids? I'm not sure how old they are, but I, I I had Ricky Ray, the former Eskimos quarterback, on the show earlier this week, and he said that's part of his duties right now is do, doing a little teaching. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of online teaching. Obviously, I'm probably not the one you're asking to do it. My wife's uh, very involved in that, but it's uh, it's been interesting to say the least but the teachers are all doing the best job they can and they're doing a good job but the kids the kids have both been involved and i have a four and a three-year-old and i can't imagine it'd be easy teaching a a three-year-old especially uh online all right well you made the decision earlier this week to officially retire from pro hockey tell us what finally led you to make that final decision chris well, I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, two years ago when, when I'd left the league and I was in Russia and then in Sweden, I, I kind of knew it was coming. I didn't know if it would be after last year or after this year or another year. But during the year, I got uh, hurt in Rockford, pulled my groin. Uh, well, it wasn't so much a groin pull, but it was up in my hip area again. 
uh, went to, and then I actually asked for my release to go play in the Spangler Cup and finish the season with my brother, which which Rockford so graciously did. And I went and played in the Spangler Cup. Uh, thought I was going to go finish the season with my brother and broke my navicular bone. So it was uh, basically injuries were telling me that uh, you got nothing left. <laughs> so it was uh, it, it was tough, but. I'd been kind of dealing with injuries the last five, six years of my career, and mentally uh, I'm pretty worn down from it. And I know uh, some people are like, ah, whatever, but for me uh, it, it was tough, and I, I did everything I could to play, and I just I don't have anything left. Uh, the bone that you mentioned, you, you're really going to test my knowledge here. I'm thinking that's in a hand or a foot. Yeah, the navicular bone's actually your arch. It's right under that oh, okay. bone on the inside, so like 100% of your weight is on it at all times. It's after your heel, probably the worst bone to break. Oh wow! Okay, well, how are you? Like, are you? You, you sound pretty pretty comfortable with with the decision. Like, are you? Are you mentally? Like, it sounded like physically you knew the realities. Are are you mentally accepting the reality? Yeah, of course. It's been, like I said, it's been two, not two years, but after, like I said, after I left the NHL, I knew it wasn't going to last much longer, so I started preparing. And uh, when I left Russia, I actually got sick and got shingles in Russia, but when I left Russia, Ryan Leslie from the Calgary Flames called me to come do some TV, and I went and I did some, and I actually enjoyed it. And right, kind of right then and there, I was like, well, I mean, if this is something I can see myself doing, I don't really want to go out and keep getting beat up every single night. So uh, I I still wanted to play at the Spangler Cup, and I still wanted to play with my brother and still wanted to take another shot at making the NHL, and I tried all those things. Uh, obviously not making it back to the NHL never happened. Uh, I did end up getting to play one or three games, sorry, with my brother playing the Spangler Cup and won a gold medal, which was an amazing experience. And Dustin Nielsen from Edmonton gets to call it, so I'm sure you guys get to hear him talk about it all the time, and it is an all-time world hockey experience that I recommend for anyone. But, um, yeah, I knew it was done. Yeah, well, it's it's good to catch up with you. And a few things I wanna I, I wanna ask you about. I I mentioned that uh, you were you were briefly an Edmonton Oiler. I suppose not officially on the record because it, it was in in the preseason. Take us through that fall of 2016. You looked pretty good in camp for the Oilers. You were on a, a PTO. We thought you might get a contract or or accept a contract from the Oilers and then uh, you jump down the highway to play with the Calgary Flames which just added even more intrigue to that situation Chris give us your yeah, version look, of how that played out look this is nothing personal against anyone I I had about 10 PTOs of possibilities I could go but I told my agent if this is my last year I wanted to be in Alberta near family members and I looked at Edmonton's roster I had a PTO from Calgary and a few other teams and I looked at Edmonton's roster, and I thought that was for sure the roster that I could make when I was looking from the outside. Uh, and I also thought, wow, it's, it's an opportunity to play with McDavid, Drysaddle. And I know Drysaddle was coming up, but I still thought a lot about him. So I went there on the PTO, and I actually ended up, ended up getting hurt, and I was a little worried uh, because I got hurt. But I ended up playing pretty good at camp for the game and uh, the, the inter-squad games I was playing. But as uh, time went on, I was a little worried. And then when that all kind of ended, 
uh, I ended up going to talk to Shirelli, and at that same time, uh, I got a call from a few NHL teams, Calgary being the one. And Calgary op- offered me an opportunity to play minutes and play a role every single night. And at the time, they wanted me to kind of split time with Pooley Arvey and, and take him under my wing and help him. But at that moment, I still thought I had a lot of hockey with, um, left in me. And it wouldn't be fair to me, if, or it wouldn't be fair to Pooley Arvey, first off, if I'm there thinking I should be in every time and he's playing. Um, and I thought it was fair to myself that, look, I can go down the road, be two hours from my hometown, play with a great organization that uh, wants me to play every single night. Not And they're both great, great organizations, but it was it purely came down to opportunity for me and also being uh, another two hours closer to home. You mentioned the uh, the bit of a broadcasting opportunity there through the Flames, and Kelly Rudy's a weekly guest on this show, and he brought up that from meeting you and talking to you, he he thinks you would be an excellent broadcaster. So, like, how far down this road do you want to do you want to take it now, Chris? If you got some people encouraging you, yeah, Kelly is a a wonderful guy. Um, he's someone who for I don't know how long. I've talked about it. It was the Centennial game back in 2004 between Saskatchewan and Alberta. I was playing in it, and he was broadcasting it. It was in Lloyd Minister. But Kelly is just a a wonderful human being. So for him to say those things means, you know, it it means a lot to me. But it it is something I'm going to do. I don't know how much Sportsnet is going to want to use me. We're going to see as, you know, the NHL season starts. Uh, and obviously things are going to change after what's going on right now, but I'll see how much they want to use me, but I definitely I definitely need the repetition. I need to understand how things work more because when you're trying to get your point across in 15 seconds, 20 seconds, it is very, very hard, and you have someone in your ear talking. It was a, a new experience for me, but it was difficult, and that's why I'm kind of using my Instagram now. Uh, if people don't like what I said, I would like to talk to them on my Instagram and see what they think and use their knowledge as well uh, and and get their takes. But uh, for me, it's all a learning experience, and I'm trying to use it in every way, whether it be Instagram, live, or uh, hearing what people have to say through media or any other way. But uh, it, it's going to be the road I take. Well, Chris, you're you're very well spoken. I remember that from when you were here in 2016, and you're doing great in this interview. And I just followed you on Instagram. That's the beauty of doing this in my house. I can just easily, <laughs> easily grab my phone and follow somebody middle of the interview. Uh, okay, and I'm glad you mentioned that centennial game in Lloyd Minster. So you and I have another very brief connection besides the Oilers thing. I was working in Lloyd Minster when that game was played i was there from 2000 to 2007 and the thing i remember so that was for whl all-stars yep, yep. and and you remember the snowstorm hit and it knocked out most of the power in the lloydminster civic center but cbc had their tv lights set up yeah, and yeah. that's what lit the game you remember that it was only the tv lights lighting the game and i remember every time you went in the corner it was a blackout you couldn't see anything and we were trying to figure out where the pucks were and we were trying to figure out what was going on it was it was a wild experience and everyone's like oh you're playing lloyd minister you're playing saskatchewan edmonton just a fun centennial game that was a war like we were hitting each other and we were there to like hurt each other and when you're playing in the dark against guys who are six feet to six foot four who are trying to 
you know, hit you as hard as they can. It was a pretty dangerous game, you know. I thought it was going to be like a you go out there and throw some ragu and just hope you you get a couple points. But it was an intense game. It was fun, but it, it ended up being just with the TV lights on. You're very right, and that's where. Kelly Rudy, he was announcing it. And I was so starstruck. I couldn't believe Kelly Rudy was doing the game. It was, it was a great game. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I wish they'd do a little bit more of those things. Yeah, I, and I, that was a good. I don't remember the score, but I think the the winning goal might have been scored relatively late in the in the third period. And yeah, it was just surreal. Like this, the 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 TV station is about six blocks away from the rink in Lloyd Minster. And my camera and a guy and I were leaving the rink that night, wondering if we were going to make it back to the <laughs> to, to oh, the yeah. station. That's how bad the snow was. Well, I remember my grandparents drove me home the next day, and there was four feet of snow on each side, and cars in the ditch it was actually it was it was a horrible horrible storm Christopher Stieg joining us tonight on Inside Sports. A couple more for you. You got to win the Stanley Cup twice with the Blackhawks, 2010 and uh, 2015. I mean, you played numerous playoff games with uh, with other teams, Calgary, L.A., uh, Florida, Philadelphia, a couple other deep runs with the Blackhawks. What do you think? It's so hard to win a championship, and, and you know, there's there's such a fine line between teams – Forget about the top five teams in the league. Sometimes even the top 13 or 14, there's not much difference. What separated the Blackhawks the two years you won the Cup with them? Well, I think it was our our willingness to be – well, it, it, we had such a tight-knit team. Um, you guys get to talk years about the 80s Oilers, and I'm not – I'm not saying we're the 80s Oilers, but those 80s Oilers were best friends. And that you guys continued to talk about that, as you should, because those guys gave everything to your city, as did we to Chicago. But we were all best friends who came in the minors. We hung out every day. We did everything away from the rink, and we cared about each other on the rink. And, and our intensity and our drive internally was just as hard inside as it was outside, meaning we would call each other out if we didn't like how we were going about ourselves or if we didn't like how we played or we didn't like the play. And nobody took it personal. And we were we were so driven and we were so good. Uh, it was just, it sucks, obviously, that the cap came into play. But that team and everything about it was... It was just a memory that I'll remember forever, and uh, I'm so glad that I got to be part of something that special. All right, Chris, and I'm going to wrap up with a standard question I ask retired players. So my regular, my 14 regular listeners will know this one's coming. It's a two-parter. Who's the best player you ever played with, and who's the best player you ever played against? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me who's better, McDavid or Dreisaitl. That's been the question <laughs> you, lately. You, you can answer that too if you want. <laughs> Anyways, well, we'll get to that third. So who's the best player I ever played with? Um, it, it, it really, that that question always changes, I feel, because depends. But Patrick Kane to me is the best player I played with because he's the most clutch player. He is the most clutch player of all time. He has, I know, I think he's behind Sackick for most short or uh, goals in overtime in the playoffs. But if you actually add in the assists he's made on top of those goals in overtime, I bet you there's no one close there. Second, the most, the most player, the best player I've played against. Oh, I, I was going to say Drew Doughty, but I actually played with him. 
at his height. Well, you can factor. I guess you can have guys on you both sides what? of you the fence. What? I'm not, not going <laughs> to lie about it. It's, it's, con- it's either Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. Um, I will give Sidney the respect just from what he's done over the years and how he played through the heart. Like, I get the 90s were hard for scoring, but the 2007 to 2006 to 2000 well 2016 had some high scoring but 2007 to 2017 was the lowest scoring era right you you had like Jamie Ben lead the league with 87 points and like you only had one 100 point scorer for you know but between him Malkin Ovechkin for a long time so and so those guys kind of controlled that decade but I'm going to give the best player I played against actually to Crosby for what he did in an era where physicalness was hard big players were uh, in abundance and he had to do a lot in order to score points um, if you if you want me to ask that last question obviously Connor McDavid is the premier player in the league, and I wish they would promote the heck out of him because he is a talent that the world has never seen, ever seen. But at this moment, I like Dreisaitl just for the last, you know, what he's done this season. Obviously, Connor's the best player, but this year Dreisaitl's been, to me, the best. Well, probably the best player on his back end in the NHL. I would yeah. probably give him that. 100%. Elite players have to be good on both hands. And McDavid and Drysaddle and Kane and Crosby, they are as good on their forehand as backhand. And there's there's no reason why they get – or, I mean, it's, it's no shock why they get as many points as they do because the, their backhands are incredible. Chris, thanks for checking in tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, I, I know you're doing some other media rounds this week, so good for you and all the best uh, as you pursue that part of your career as you move post-retirement. And glad to hear everybody is safe and, and healthy. Keep it that way, and let's talk again down the road. For sure. You take care. That is Chris Versteeg checking in tonight, 11-year NHL veteran, two-time Stanley Cup champion, announced his retirement on Tuesday. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Well, I think if Chris Versteeg keeps pursuing broadcasting, he will be great. Very well spoken. Good to catch up with him. All the best in his retirement from pro hockey. Oh, are you ready for Matty D? Matt Devlin, play-by-play voice for the Toronto Raptors when we get back after the 6.30 news. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30 Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Kawhi up top, looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win. Kawhi! a piece of play-by-play that brings back some excellent memories. Kawhi Leonard's 
epic game winner, series winner, game seven against Philadelphia in the second round last spring. The Raptors went on to win the NBA championship and the voice of that playoff run from Sportsnet. It is the one and only Matt Devlin. Matt, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing well, hanging in like uh, so many and uh, thank you for for, uh, for having me. Well, it's nice to connect with you. You're a, a voice that a lot of sports fans in this country have known for a while from Raptors game, but uh, I would think that your audience increased even quite a bit through the through the playoff run last spring and it must be look I know it's about the team but it's got to be pretty cool for you to have your voice on so many great moments well certainly I think when you go back to you know my 12 seasons here and you think about the growth of the game over that time and then the magical run that was the 2019 championship uh, it was truly a blessing that I was able to sit courtside, call those games. And as you know, we both know just the connection throughout all of Canada, the 59 plus different Jurassic parks that sprouted up throughout Canada. And it, there was a sense of community and it was, you know, just really a lot of fun to be a part of it because as you well know, you know, uh, the game, is the game right you you know i'm there to to call the game uh it's really about the players that are on the court uh, the game always tells you which way to go uh but ultimately to have those magical moments whether it be a game seven a game winner or game six against milwaukee and a game six against uh the golden state warriors to win it all you know that's truly from a broadcasting standpoint a blessing you mentioned all the Jurassic parks that sprung up during the playoffs and, and this really united Canada and Canadian fans, which I thought was pretty cool. And I loved one thing that you do, Matt, and I, I especially remember game one against Golden State. There was a late three-pointer, and you said, from Edmonton, and you, yeah. and you used communities across the, uh, the country for a lot of key three-pointers, uh, as you call games. To tell me about where that came from, and I'm curious, like, do you keep a list of cities, or do you just pull one out? to your head well you know, it's interesting you know throughout all of the years of broadcasting basketball uh, you think about the terminology from downtown uh, and other announcers throughout the years have said you know from wherever right when you make a shot and I remember years ago it could have been seven years ago now that Kyle made a deep three and I think I said, you know, from Mississauga, because it was so deep, right? It was like, okay, that's from another uh, town. And then it just really caught on, and it was kind of a, an organic growth to it. And all of a sudden, you know, Jack and Leo were, you know, saying, hey, you know, can you shout out this town? Somebody asked me, can you shout out this town? And then Twitter, people on a nightly basis are asking for it, and asking for their community to be shouted out. And so I've never really gone into a game with a list. Uh, it's just something that, um, you know, each night, you know, something will come to my head depending upon where the three uh, is taken from, um, you know, where I'll, you know, whether it be Mount Pearl or whether it be Vancouver or Edmonton or Lloydminster. And, you know, it just kind of, grows and comes out and then 
as people started to ask, you know, I would jot down just so I wouldn't forget, right? Uh, okay, this community, that town, that city. The only time that I've ever gone into a game with a plan was game one of the NBA finals. And that was on the drive down to the arena when I thought, okay, what am I going to do tonight? And with the Raptors being in the NBA finals, I actually thought it'd be really cool to um, shout out all of the capitals from the provinces and the territories. And so what was amazing about that evening, as you may recall, there were 13 made threes. And so it just lined up perfectly. If it was 12, I don't know what I would have done. And, <laughs> and if it was 14, I don't know if I would have just went right back to the beginning. But it just so happened that there was 13. And so, and there wasn't any... Uh, idea of which one I would start with either. And so uh, it, it just unfolded that way. It was uh, just perfect. And then game two, I thought, okay, I did that for game one. What am I going to do for game two? And that was really the last time that I went in with an idea um, and the, the, the second time. And, and that was just to shout out the uh, – cities or towns that the current Canadian NBA players were either born in or grew up in. Um, and so that was my idea behind that in game two. And so those were really the only two times that I kind of in my mind went into a game saying, okay, you know, these are uh, the cities that I want to uh, shout out this evening, but it's been a lot of fun and I think it's really brought the basketball community together, um, and you know I, I enjoy doing it. That's that's awesome. I, I love I love that you did that. Matt Devlin joining us tonight on Inside Sports, play by play Raptors on Sportsnet. So you know Canada. I, I know you didn't you didn't grow up in Canada, but I, I got to ask you this too. We're celebrating the first anniversary of the Raptors championship run, aren't we? Around the first anniversary of you becoming a Canadian citizen. Yes, yes, we are. In fact, uh, I've been here for uh, 12 seasons. We moved here, my wife and three uh, sons, uh, back in 2008 and, you know, originally came here on a work permit and that led to a permanent resident uh, card for us. And then uh, through the years, you know, I've had the opportunity to, you know, go back to the U.S., but we love it here. Uh, it's it's our home. It's the longest place I've ever lived in my life. Uh and we decided to become Canadian citizens. And as anybody knows that, you know, has gone through that process, it takes time. And you don't know when you're going to get the notice that you have to go in to take the test and, and when you're going to take the oath. And it just so happened that it happened during uh, the NBA playoffs. We got the notice uh, during the Philadelphia series about taking the test. It just so happened that it was an off day in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I did not actually, typically I would jump on the charter with the team. I did not. Um, because of the test, my wife and I went in to take the uh, test, and then I flew um, 
later that evening to Milwaukee. I want to say that was for game five, if my memory serves me right. And then after that, the next time would have been the oath, uh, which was between game one and game two of the NBA finals. And that was on a Friday afternoon. And it was a very special moment for my wife and uh, my three sons. Um, because you think about you're in a room with over 100 people from 24 different countries uh, that are becoming Canadian citizens. And you think about everyone's journey. And quite honestly, you think about the journey of those that have come here before you. And um, it was really uh, an emotional, special day uh, for us. And uh, certainly we are proud to uh, be a part of this great country. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's really cool. Matt, I, I, okay, here's a question everybody's probably waiting for me to ask. Kawhi, Game 7, Philadelphia, your yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're right there. I mean, take us through your, your view of that, your experience of making that call. Well, in those moments, as you know, it becomes – the basics, in my opinion, you you think of time score, timeouts remaining, what would be the result if the shot is made, if the shot isn't made. So there were 4.2 seconds left on the clock. If Kawhi makes it, they win. If Kawhi doesn't, then it's overtime. And I remember it in slow motion as if it was yesterday as he got the ball at the top of the circle, made a move uh, to the right wing, heading in front of the Raptors bench. Ben Simmons handed him off defensively to Joel Embiid, who's 7-3 in the outstretched arm, is up over Kawhi. And Kawhi, who typically shoots a line drive shot, has this high-arcing rainbow shot that doesn't have perfect rotation, but yet it lands softly on the rim and bounces up once bounces twice on that same rim and then softly goes over the cylinder to the other side of the rim. And from where I was sitting right at that moment, I thought it had a chance to go in. And of course it was two bounces later four in total that it did softly go through. And I remember after that game, uh, immediately after, in fact, somebody asked, "What did you say?" I said, "I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I said. I just called. I just called the game, and so obviously, uh, it was a uh, magical moment because it's the first ever Game Seven, a game winner, and also to be announcing it here uh, in Canada." nationally and then the u.s side on television you have uh, the great kevin harlan who called it uh, for tnt and uh, you don't get those moments often in uh, broadcasting and so with 4.2 on the clock uh, 92 to 90 raptors win it at the buzzer with you know Kawhi leonard hitting that unbelievable shot fading deep into the corner uh, was truly um, cool to, you know, walk away that evening knowing that, you know, that, uh, 
you know, knowing, I guess, that, you know, thankfully I didn't mess that thing up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a legendary call for sure. I, I absolutely one that, that won't be forgotten. Uh, Matt, just, just, just one more here, and thanks for making yeah, time for us. Yeah, it's yeah, great to have pleasure. you on the show. But, yeah. you know, you're, you're, in the, you're in the NBA. You get to do national broadcasts. Uh, you know, everybody knows who you are. Obviously, your career doesn't start that way. Could you no. – is there something from the early days or, or maybe even when you thought, man, maybe I'm going to pursue – Sue play-by-play uh, as a profession, or maybe you're calling a game where you're some night where it's like, man, there's no one in the stands, and I wonder if anybody's listening at home or something like that, right? Well, there's there's all there's so many different pieces and layers to that because you know when I first got into the industry, somebody told me start in a small town, and I started in Abilene, Texas, uh, for KRBC Big Country Sports, and. You start there. I was a weekend sports anchor reporter. And then, and then really, you know, I don't know if I grew up ever thinking you could become a play-by-play announcer. And, and then as I got exposed to that in the industry was when I started to do play-by-play and, and, and on radio specifically. So I went from TV for about 18 months into radio, and I was doing radio for years before I got back onto uh, television because, you know, radio is where you get to paint a picture. And I, you know, was a minor league baseball announcer, high school football, basketball, college football, basketball. I'd announce anything in order to get that experience, right? But there are so many points along the way you know, and, and everybody has a different journey. You know, there are some that remain in the city in which they grew up in and flourish and become, you know, an announcer for a team or a network or a radio station or a television station. That wasn't my journey. Um, it was, you know, uh, you know, someone said, hey, look, you know, you need to go to a small town and and really kind of learn the industry and, you know, make mistakes and get better. And so I started in Abilene. I want to say in the U.S. it was like market 150-something, right? And literally I would just, you know, try to take the next job in the next market and try to get better where I was and then, you know, look for that next opportunity. And that ultimately led me to, you know, some great um, opportunities and you have to have somebody that believes in you along the way. And there were a couple of key individuals, one in particular, a gentleman by the name of Pete Silverman, who hired me to work for Madison Square Garden Network Radio back in uh, the late 90s. And then for NBA TV, there was a gentleman who was the uh, vice president of NBA Entertainment that hired me uh, to host NBA TV. And, and the gentleman that hired me is uh, Adam Silver, who's currently the commissioner. And so when you have a couple of people that believe in you, uh, you know, that it's really beneficial, right? And then ultimately it's about your craft, getting better and doing something every day uh, to try to achieve where you want to be. I always kind of took jobs, you know, is this job going to help me where I want to be in five years, right? And then while you're there, even to this day, you know, I'll rewatch Raptor games and think about how I can do things different, do things maybe better. Um, and it's kind of an evolution, right? Um, and then you get to a point where 
you look around and as I have in Toronto and say, you know what, this is a place I absolutely love. Uh, it's a team that I'm honored to announce for, and it's a fan base that I believe is the best in the NBA. And you look around and you say, you know what, I'm going to put my stake down here and um, be thankful and fortunate that you happen to be the voice of the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Well, well said. We're happy to have you, and we'll be happy to hear you calling games again, hopefully sooner rather than later. And hopefully uh, our next conversation, Matt, will be about uh, breaking down uh, defenses and offenses and playoff series and all that kind of stuff. But thanks for sharing part of your journey with us tonight on Inside Sports. Well, thank you so much uh, for having me, and a special thank you to all of those that are working on the front lines and and also, of course, all of those that are the working, the essential workers, right, at the grocery stores and all those places that allow us to continue to do what we do. Um, and so thank you very much, and be safe, everyone, and thank you for having me this evening. Yeah, of course, Matt. Matt Devlin, play-by-play voice for the Toronto Raptors. Man, awesome to have him on the show. 7.51, quick timeout. We're coming right back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. 7804960063 is the number to call. It's also the number to text. We had Matt Devlin on the show, play-by-play voice for the Raptors. Robert says my Mount Rushmore of sportscasters, Vin Scully. Al Michaels, Keith Jackson, and Maddie D. It's a pretty impressive list. And Brian says, when Matt Devlin would call from Saskatoon, I was like, that player is from Saskatoon? But then I caught on. That is Brian. I love that about how he wanted to use the 13 provincial and territorial capitals in game one of the NBA finals, and they made exactly 13 three-pointers. So he got through the list Exactly. Didn't leave anybody out. Didn't have to use anybody twice or start going to anybody else. Uh, Man, you know, that's a guy we've wanted to have on the show for a while. And uh, it was awesome to have him on. And I will say this, we're in this sports pause and uh, players and coaches and athletes and broadcasters have been extremely available for us. So we really appreciate that we've been uh, able to bring you a lot of really interesting guests. Some guests on Inside Sports Get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a modern twist, northchickenyeg.com. The governor of New Hampshire has said uh, he has had talks with the NHL about that state possibly hosting neutral site games in the National Hockey League. If it came to that, there obviously would be some things to uh, work out, but I think the NHL is trying to keep as many options open as possible. Kellen Kennedy back at the studio. Kellen, didn't get to talk to you about this earlier this week. Did did WWE not lose somebody fairly significant this week? Yeah, yeah yesterday, uh, unfortunately, their longtime ring announcer, Howard, sorry, Howard Finkel, passed away. Uh, he was the guy who was the ring announcer for pretty much the first WrestleMania on through uh, the WrestleManias in the mid-2000s or so. He was the very first employee ever hired by WWF at the time and one of the most iconic uh, ring announce voices in North America. He was the Michael Buffer of the 1980s. Oh, neat. Okay. 
legendary announcer for sure. And thank for filling us in. You know so much about trivia. And I love that it used to be, I mean, it, the they had to change their name because of the World Wildlife Fund, right? That's why they became WWE. That's exactly right. Has anybody ever worked for both the World Wildlife Fund and World Wrestling? Uh, you know what? Probably not. <laughs> let me get amazing. back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, if, if there if there ever has been someone, we have to get that person as a guest. Exactly. So you went from WWF to WWF, as it would have been at the time. Anyway, thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio operator this evening. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. You can get more on the show page on 630Ched.com. You heard from Matt Devlin and Chris Versteeg tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you on Monday. Take care. Tomorrow I want to settle down Until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on It's Friday. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.